0: Matthew chapter 7. So we've covered six chapters so far. And um, we're finally to the uh, last chapter that we will cover in the Sermon on the Mount for Jesus Christ. Now the title of this morning's message is Poles, Pigs, and Presents. I, I thought I'd just give you the very base of what we're going to cover this this morning, but you won't forget that, right? Poles, pigs, and presents. Um, Of course, we're going to uh, explain what those things mean, but that's what we're going to cover. Now, Matthew chapter 7. Let's start out by reading, and then what we'll do is we'll we'll get into explaining the word here. Okay, so Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Jesus said, judge not, that you not be judged for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged and with the measure you use it will be measured to you why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that is in your own eye or how can you say to your brother let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye you hypocrite first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Father, Lord, thank you that uh, as we come here this morning. Lord, that you have the patience to explain these things to us. They're not left to our own opinions or, Lord, for us to formulate our own ideas of what you mean. But you speak clearly to us. And I pray that you would do that, that this morning, Father. That as we consider these things, Lord, that you speak to our hearts. That you continue to mold and shape us into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. That it is by your Spirit that you give us understanding of what we have before us. To your glory. And so, Lord, we commit this time into your hands. Lord, again, we ask for your blessing, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. To judge others without first judging your own shortcomings will cloud your judgment at best and strengthen a critical heart within you at worst. That is by far the worst thing that a human being can display. And that is a critical heart, a dark heart towards others, seeing everyone not as the Lord sees them. A clouding judgment can be helped by God's wisdom, but a critical heart is in desperate need of God's grace, compassion, and love. To lack discernment in the dispensation of the gospel is to unnecessarily engage people who are hostile towards the grace of God. You see, not everyone is ready to receive the good news of God's grace of forgiveness through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you've ever gone out witnessing, you will know this is very much true. You will understand that some people receive and many others don't receive. In fact, there are some who, who are even hostile toward the gospel of Jesus Christ. To know God's presence in prayer is to know His good presence in life. Ask, seek, And knock to receive, find, and see doors opened wide. You see, a consistently good prayer life will draw a person near to the Father who knows the very good gifts that each and every one of us needs. This chapter covers what I believe to be or some of Jesus' most misinterpreted, misquoted teachings That he has ever dispensed to his disciples. Taking them out of context and wishing them to mean something that Jesus never intended them to mean. Just look at the first verse in chapter 7. Judge not that you be not judged. I mean that very verse right there has been taken so out of context by everyone in the world. You can ask anyone in the world, not just Christians. Do you know that verse? Yeah, I know that verse very well. And so I'm going to tell you, don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. It's so misinterpreted. It's so misquoted. And these things, Jesus never intended them to mean. What sometimes the world and the church has wished them to mean. From thinking that Jesus was giving an absolute command to never judge or discern sin in someone else's life to treating others with tolerance because you want them to treat you with tolerance and let you do whatever you would like to do without considering God's truth as a standard and purpose of life. Jesus did not live his life without controversy. We, we know that very well. The world did not receive him the way we sometimes think it should receive him. And many times we wish the world would even respond and receive Jesus differently than the way he warned us, actually, that the world would reject him and oppose him. He warned us many times. Jesus did not teach without warning about this truth, the world's hatred of Jesus and the Word. If you're, if you're, you're taking notes, John, jot down John chapter 15, verses 18 through 25. One of those verses I want to quote to you. Where Jesus said in John 15:22, "If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin." And yet, there will be, and are those, as evidenced by your lives, that people who realize God's grace of forgiveness. Through Jesus, Jesus Christ's sacrifice. John twelve thirty two says, "And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself." That is Jesus. He was, he was explaining by what death he was going to, uh, by what uh, form he was going to come to his death, and that is by being lifted up on the tree, the cross, at Calvary. So we know that the, the, there are those who are in, are in direct opposition, who are hostile to the faith. There are those who um, don't receive it willingly. But we also need to guard our own hearts. To not have a critical spirit, to have a judgmental spirit of other people. We need to be very careful with that. Because we can fall into that. And, be con- and consider ourselves to be, to be righteous. Righteous. And that's self-righteousness. And that's, that's not a good place to be. With this, let's find out what Jesus really taught on the subjects of judgment, dispensing the gospel or proclaiming the gospel, and also prayer. Let's first talk about polls. In verse 1, once more, Judge not that you not be, be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, But do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I remember one time, there was this uh, friend of mine that came in. I I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was like like a pole. And he says, uh, he was coming around the corner and he was carrying it. And he says, hey, brother. He says, let me take the speck out of your, your eye. <laughs> and it was just like an illustration, you know. And uh, he's a funny guy anyway. His name is Mikey. And, and he came around, and, and it, was, it was just funny. But I will never forget that. Because that's kind of, you can't read this and not kind of chuckle a little bit. Right? Like, Jesus is making a point here. He's illustrating. He's always drawing these pictures in our minds. Right? And he's telling us, yeah, put, put this in proper perspective here. This is what it actually it looks like. Okay, it may not be apparent to you, but it's apparent to other people. You know, when you're trying to take the speck out of other people's eyes, when you yourself have this pole sticking out of your eye, it's there. Now, this has everything to do with how we treat other people. That, that's really what this comes down to. It, it's the condition of the heart. First, Jesus gets our attention by saying, judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It's like, it kind of gets your attention, right? Hopefully, what Jesus is trying to draw his disciples to do is to think. To just think about these things. This is to get our attention and to get us to think. Remember that the religious leaders of the time went by the letter of the law and seldom, if at any time, considered the grace of God, nor did they consider their own failure to keep the law while determining someone else's guilt. Kind of like, hey, listen, let's, let's not talk about that. I'm talking about you right now. Like, but you, That's fine, but you still have to consider... Your, your own shortcomings, your own sins in your life. You see, the problem was not the judgment of someone else's sin. That's not the point. But the failure to realize our own. That's, that's what Jesus is really referring to and pointing out in this portion of his teaching. First, we need to see this. Judgment is part of what we are to do within the church. So I want to also clarify some disclaimers here. I want to point some things out to you. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So we go through the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, and then Corinthians. So Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 1. Because this must be clarified. You need to understand this, too. All right. So the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent? To try trivial cases, Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more then, matters pertaining to this life? So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers? We're going to stop there. What I want to point out here is that disputes, situations within the church amongst the brethren are supposed to be brought before the church. You see, there is, there is some kind of order within the church. There is hopefully authority by God's word, in God's word, through God's word. You know, as, as we, should we not be able to judge each other in the situations and lead each other to solutions according to God's word? The answer is, of course, yes, we should. To hear out issues and disputes and handle them in the right manner is something we as a church should actually be adept in, very skilled That's why it's important for us to know the Word of God. According to the wisdom that we have come to possess and know in the Word of God. We should know. We should be discerning. We should be wise according to the Word of God. Secondly, so I I just wanted to touch on that. I wanted to to show you according to the Word that we are to judge each other But rightly and according to God's word, we are. Secondly, personal judgment must be a part of what we do in humble obedience before a righteous and holy God. Turn with me, stay there in 1 Corinthians, and we're going to go to chapter 11. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Now, we read this when we have, oftentimes, when we have communion. And I'm going to read to you just a portion of, of this. so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So, as children of God, as disciples of Jesus Christ, as believers in the Son of God, we will not be judged with the rest of the world, but we will be disciplined along with the rest of the brethren if we fail to come into obedience and surrender to the Lord. But here's the one thing that we ought to do. There's this personal judgment that we need to submit ourselves to. In other words, we we need to admit to ourselves that we fall short. That requires humility. Humility before God. His righteousness, His holiness. That as we have uh, certain things revealed to us by the Lord, that we humbly confess them to the Lord and that simply agreeing with Him telling him yes we fall short i fall short and ask him for forgiveness because if we consider our own sins before god we come to that place to where we humbly confess them and ask for his forgiveness we know that in god's word it says that if we confess our sins that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness but we have to come to that place to where we're willing to do that There's a work that we submit to and are open to that God is doing in our own lives. And this will help us respond to other people in a different manner when we discern there is a sin in their lives. We consider our own own lives, our own shortcomings. I'll tell you what, it gives you a different perspective. It gives you a whole different approach to dealing with other people's sins. It helps you to do that. Why? Because you yourself have come before a righteous and holy God and admitted. So therefore, you're willing to come alongside another brother or sister and help them to be restored and reconciled unto the Lord and perhaps unto someone else. There's this gentleness and there's this meekness and humility that overcomes that person who handles matters before the Lord in this way. These verses, along with what we will go over Next Sunday, in verses 15 through 20, and many other areas of Scripture, tells us that judgment is what we are to have the ability to exercise as Christians, but not to condemn, not in a condemning fashion, more in a gentle, convicting manner, allowing the Word of God to do that work, understanding that we are to approach these situations. For the purpose of restoring someone else. As we ourselves continue in the process of being more Christ-like. That, that, another word for that is sanctification. Submitting ourselves to the lordship of Jesus and his word. Now as Christians we're called to unconditional, unconditionally love. But we're not called to unconditional approval. That we are not called to. And that is what the world today calls tolerance. What Jesus is teaching here is to consider several things in the judgment of others. Number one, the same conclusions of guilt you come to with others, well, those same conclusions will be applied to you. Now, please notice, though, something. In verse 1, it says, judge not that you be not judged. I want to draw to your attention the very fact that God isn't saying that He's going to judge you the same way you judge other people. We're going to get to that, but I want you to think about that. Now, secondly, some things to consider in Jesus' teaching is that the same standards you base these conclusions on, that they will be applied to you. Thirdly, you may see... Uh, not a log, but a, a splinter or a speck in your brother's eye. But to you, sometimes what it looks like is, is a log. Like y- you look at it and it's, y- you see like a log, but you're, you're blinded by the, the log in your own eye. Not all the time, by the way. But sometimes we are. Because sometimes actually it's a speck in comparison to the log in our own eye. In this, the Lord, and this is Jesus' words. He's saying, this is hypocrisy. You have failed to deal with your own. And yet here you are so willing to deal with everyone else's. And he's saying in his own words, this is hypocrisy. Don't be a hypocrite. And fourthly, don't neglect helping your brother take the speck out of his eye. But make sure you take care of business first, taking out what's in your own eye first so that you can see things for what they really are. Now, coming back to what I said before, God is not saying that he will judge you with the same judgment you pronounce. He doesn't change and he's the same yesterday, today and forever. He doesn't change. And he doesn't go along with how it is that you judge others, how you discern, how how it is that you. No, it has nothing to do with that. You and I are already guilty of sin. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all been there. There's none righteous, no, not one. We're guilty of sin and are saved by grace, forgiven by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, loved by grace. But what Jesus is saying is that people tend to respond to you the same way that you respond to them. Not that that is right, not that that is justifiable, okay? That shouldn't be the case. But oftentimes that is what happens. You want to come at me that way? Well, stand by because I'm going to judge you and measure you the same way you're judging and measuring me. And that's our tendency. Don't act like your life is perfect and have a view of others that thinks the worst of them. Only points out their faults, judge we judge people's lives by its worst moments. Judge other people's hidden motives even. We we don't know other people's motives. We need to be very careful not to go there. Very careful. We need to always, in fact, think the best. Um, if, if you're going to er err on the side of grace, grace, I, I, would, I would much rather err on the side of grace than on the side of judgment, being critical and like even judging people's motives. That's, that's horrible. Just, you know what? We're going to be judged ourselves but everything we said everything we thought you know the things that we did we're going to be judged but we're going to come before the lord for that we can't be that person that fails to consider ourselves if we found ourselves in the same circumstances that others do and fail to consider the fact that we will be judged too in other words i'm not considering like i'm not putting myself in your shoes at this moment that that's failing already it's like i don't i don't know how i'd respond in if i were in your shoes can i tell you something that that in and of itself shows great compassion what happens is it opens up opens up the door of communication it's like that's that that bridge that you want to build with someone else it's like oh they're willing to like at least listen to what I have to say, they actually have this genuine caring spirit about them. And even though I may be wrong, at least they're making an attempt to try and understand where I'm coming from. And then it gives you an opportunity to then at that point begin to pour into them. We can't lose those opportunities because God gives us those opportunities, and they are truly divine and they are ordained by him. Perhaps we would handle people a bit differently if we considered the poles in our own eyes first, right? Let's take care of that and then work to remove the splinters or the specks in other people's eyes. So that's the point that Jesus was making here. But let's move on. Let's talk about, we talked about poles, let's talk about pigs. Verse 6, Do not give dogs what is holy, And do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. All right, so no poles in the eyes. Just one verse. No poles in the eyes, but also no pearls to the pigs. In Acts chapter 18, verses 5 and 6, it says, When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. A little bit later in Acts chapter 19, verses 8 and 9, it says, And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly. This is the Apostle Paul, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way, that is Christianity, before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. Can you imagine I mean, I, I was just thinking i 'm going to take my toys and go play somewhere else <laughs> you know i 'm going to take my the people who are just my people and i 'm going to go somewhere else and he did that. He went and reasoned for quite some time with the Christians of the time, the first church. now Jesus. At this point, I wanted to point out these verses with the Apostle Paul because he did the very thing that Jesus is teaching us this morning. He didn't cast his pearls to the swine or to the dogs. At some point, he withdrew. That was it. We're done here. And Jesus quickly made sure his disciples understood that at the same time, Okay, take care of the poles in your own eye as, as you judge the speck in your brother's eye. At the same time, they are not to have a critical, judgmental spirit. They are also not to disregard, this is really important, spiritual discernment. Don't, don't, don't throw it out. I just talked to you about this. Don't lay your head low. It doesn't stop there. I don't want you to throw out spiritual discernment. You see, dogs and pigs are those who were considered to be hostile toward God. They understood that very well. They're hostile toward God. They're hostile towards His kingdom. And hostile toward His word. Have you ever run across someone who's absolutely hostile? I have. Like, wow, how... Why so much hatred? Why so much anger? It's like you want to withdraw, also for your own safety. Sometimes it's like I don't know what's gotten into. It. Well, you know, you know what got into them, but it's like it's it's wild. It definitely is a spiritual battle, and it may be that the very people who consider them considers themselves to be holy. This is something to to consider right because some of the very people who consider themselves to be holy and righteous are the ones who refuse to receive a word of correction because they are convinced that they are walking perfectly and are in actuality living in hypocrisy like so so religious so full of themselves they are self-righteous and they themselves will not receive a word of God, the, a, a word from God, through his word, through the Bible, or through, through another brother or sister, they, f- they fail. They refuse. I won't receive it. Well, these people that the Apostle Paul was reasoning with, did they not know the word of God? They knew it very well. They knew it inside and out. But they did not receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. They wouldn't receive it. If you find yourself not willing to receive the word of God for your own life, but are quick to apply it to others, then I would appeal to you. Your heart may be hardened. Even though you're attending church, even though you're sitting in Bible study sometimes, your heart may be hardened and you are the very person that is not willing to actually receive the word of God for yourself, to apply it to yourself. I would appeal to you to ask for God's forgiveness, for, for Him to soften your heart, and for it to be pliable toward Him. You see, godly correction is, is actually a pearl. We, as we look at this one verse, we can't be those dogs and... The very pigs that this verse is speaking about—dog or, pi- or 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 a pig that tramples the very word of God underfoot—with personal rejection. And let me tell you that delayed obedience—I've heard this before—and it's so true. Delayed obedience is disobedience. We're, we're trampling God's foot, God's word underfoot. When when we hear, when we know, and we reject, and we stubbornly turn the other way. We need to also, though, have discernment when offering God's word to others. Because if they're hostile toward it and reject it vehemently, then we need to, at some point, we need to Look for that point. Okay, so we understand at this point we need to draw back. We need to go elsewhere to someone else who's willing to receive. At the same time, don't, don't give up. Pray for that person or persons, the people that you had been attempting to speak to. But look for a prepared heart that is ready to receive the word with gladness. God prepares those people for us. All right, so no poles in the eyes, no pearls to the pigs, but know of the gifts found in prayer. We're going to hit prayer again. We did, right, last chapter? We're doing it again this chapter. All right, so, Presence, chapter 7, verse 7. "'Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And the, to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you? If his son asks him for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish?' Will give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? All right, there are a presence in prayer, because God, because of God's presence in prayer. You know, just just the, this morning, it was sweet to come together and you know, in, in the back or in the front, you could say, uh, and just come together in prayer, knowing that, in fact, it was brought up scripture that says "Where two or more two or three are gathered in my name there i am in the midst the lord says this just his presence alone in the time of prayer is enough that's simply enough we have him he's there in our midst not only that but he's given himself to us by grace and he is our hope and we will one day be in his presence for eternity But he knows how to give good gifts. Now, in Matthew chapter 6, we went over that uh, previously, right? And we know that he went through the Lord. Jesus went through what we've come to know as being the Lord's prayer. In verses 5 through 15. In verse 33, it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What, What that is referring to are the basic needs of each and every one of us. So Jesus, once again in this chapter, comes back to prayer after having taught on it already previously. He wanted to, to focus on the character of God and encourage our persistence and consistency in prayer. Those are the things that he wanted, us, he wanted to point out and really just drive home. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. It's kind of like this progression. First of all, you're going to ask... Okay, and if, if at that point you don't receive, then you, then you go to the next level, so to speak, and you, you start seeking. Like, first you ask about someone, then you start seeking him, right? And at some point, as you've gone through those two, you get to a point to where you get to the door and you're, right? And that's really where we need to get to, not just, anyone there, you know? No, we need to get to the point to where we're just, I know someone's there. This is a door that swings open, right? So I'm going to keep knocking because I know that the answer comes and I know that it swings out and it'll open. It's like with that belief, that understanding, we need to do that. That's what our Lord is drawing in our minds. That's the picture that he's painting for us. But he wants us to think about the character of the father. He wanted with that to encourage our persistence and our consistency in prayer. Jesus was teaching his disciples that praying is like asking, seeking, and knocking. He likens it to that. The reward of asking is receiving. The reward of seeking is finding. And the reward of knocking is having a door opened up to you. This action and perspective in prayer tends to exercise... Something very important. By this, we fail to please the Lord. What is that? Faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You have to exercise faith if you're asking, if you're seeking, if you're knocking. You have to, at some point, if you don't give up, right? You're asking by faith. You're seeking by faith. You're knocking by faith. Over and over. I know He's there. I know he will answer. I know he will meet me right where I am. And I will wait. In another word, that means the same thing throughout Scripture. When we wait on the Lord, what is it? It's something, something that we really need to understand. We hope in the Lord. When we wait on the Lord, we're waiting with expectation. We're waiting with a sense of hope. Jesus knows the Father and is encouraging us to ask, seek, and knock at the Father's door through prayer. By the way, all of this implies that there is some resistance. Right? If there wasn't any resistance, then why would you have to ask? (laughs) Why would you have to seek? Why would you have to knock? Just go ahead and stand there and the Lord will shower everything on you, everything, and then some. No. no. Not at all. Because God's grace applies to us as it does, by the way, to many other people. The breath in our lungs, the heartbeat in our hearts. Uh, it rains on the just and the unjust. That means that these things, it's kind of this general grace given to all mankind. The needs of the people he provides, we are to seek that and be content with that, to be satisfied with that. But there's so much more that God wishes we would ask for, seek for, and knock to have open to us, not selfishly, but along with God's will. It's like, what more do you have? What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to be? Those are the things that we should be asking for. It's amazing to those who are faithful with little will be given more. What does that mean? That's God's promise. That's what he he tells us. Hey, listen, be faithful with the little bit that I've given to you at this moment. Because if you're faithful with that, there may be more that I'm going to entrust to you. Why? Because you're a servant who will not take that and spend it on yourself foolishly. I'm talking about different things, whether it be giftings. Sometimes it is monetary. Sometimes it is financial. To where he blesses your business or your career or something like that. And he blesses you financially. Guess what? It's not to spend on yourself. It's so that you will do with that what a good steward of of what God has entrusted you to do with it. To bless him, to glorify him. Whatever that is. That's not to say that he doesn't want to bless you too. Right? In those little things. But it's to bless God with. To glorify Him. But there is going to be some resistance. But we should seek Him. And what His desires are. Psalm chapter 16 verse 11. The psalmist writes, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's, that's the place where we need to get with the Lord. To seek Him with this kind of a perspective. This is what we have in mind. At the same time, what kind of, um, what kind of a degree do you need to ask, seek, and knock? in a communications, maybe? Yeah? What, what is it that we need? We need to get to a point to where we reach some kind of a, a level with God to do these things. Can anyone ask? Can anyone seek? Can anyone? Yeah, right? Anyone can. It doesn't require anything more than the same spirit at work within us, the same word dwelling in us, and the same Father waiting to hear from us it doesn't require anything else, just a desire to come to that very person of God and ask, seek, and knock. That's it. It's not like, okay, well, I need to go to Bible college. I need to go to the school of ministry. And I need to... No, you don't. It's like prayer. Why, why is that so difficult? I'll tell you why. Because that's the very place that the devil trembles over that when the child of God goes and spends time on his knees before the creator of the universe there's power in that and you know what he'll fool you he'll deceive you he'll take you off track that's the very thing that he'll stop you from doing just pray ask seek knock Ask, seek, knock. Do that over and over, over and over, over and over. And God desires to do a work in and through that. God knows how to give good gifts. Do you not think that he can give better gifts than even our earthly fathers can give a child? In fact, okay, these are Jesus' words, right? He he just calls us evil. He did. It's like, hey get this little children, I just want you to know that earthly fathers are evil. Evil in the sense to where it's like, you're not good. And yet, you in that place know how to give good gifts to your children. For me, with my boys, and and you can ask them, like I go, Bettina knows this very well, we'll go in just like cleats. Just cleats, right? It's like we go and they're like, Dad, can I get these cleats right here? And I'm like, yeah, but if I'm able to get these over here, then I'll say, these, these are better, <laughs> right? If I can. Other things too, and they know this. It's like, okay, so I, I desire to give them the better things. It's like, it's worth it, right? And I desire to do that. Bettina desires to do that with our kids, to give them the best, right? Well, we fall way, way, way short of how it is that God wants to give us good gifts. See, our prayer is for God to give us this day our daily bread, the necessities of life. But God desires to give us so much more. Not just the basics of life, but so much more. So that's why we need to keep in mind, how much more does our Father in Heaven want to give good gifts to those who ask Him? Ask Him. That's what He says here. God's ultimate gift, by the way, is His Spirit, by which we are sealed for the day of redemption. He is the seal, stating that we are forgiven in Christ. God's gift is a new heart, a new creature in Christ having come to know God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And by the way, that's just the beginning. It was at that point, you guys remember when, and some of you may be in, uh, may, may be in here that at this point, you don't know a relationship with Jesus Christ. But for those of you that have come to that point to where you've surrendered your lives, you, you gave up your life, but you received eternal life through Jesus Christ, you know that at that point, all you did was ask, seek, and knock all you did you asked you sought and you received as you knocked on that door you could say in a sense that jesus was waiting for you to just ask to believe that jesus is the son of god if we confess with our mouths that jesus is lord and believe in our hearts that god raised him from the dead then we shall be saved with the mouth we confess but we do that only by the Spirit. That's something that Jesus, is, uh, Jesus explained to his disciples. He said that to Peter. You can't say that, but by the Spirit. That Jesus is the Son of God. You, you can't. So as we confess, it's in line with the Word of God in our belief. And so we've come to know God's grace. Saving grace through Jesus Christ. And that is just the beginning. We come to know God's peace because of the hope we have in Jesus. A spiritual confidence that we are Christ and alive. We are alive in him. So, there's so much more. You know, I was so excited to get into the text this morning. These first 11 verses. Next week, we're going to go into what's titled the golden rule. And then... Uh, the tree and its fruit. But so we got what poles, pigs, or is it was it pigs, yeah. Pigs and pearls. We don't have it. Okay, so pigs, pearls, and what's the last one? Presents. So those are the three, the three P's. I had to like find, you know, but it wasn't hard to find that in our text. Just in closing, I want to say this. We need to exercise humility and self-examination. That's one thing we really need to do so as to not judge others with critical hearts. We need to be willing to take the poles out of our own eyes through humble confession, but at the same time discern any hostility in others towards the Lord and His Word. The gospel itself, and then continue to look for people who are ready to receive it Willingly. And lastly, lastly, don't stop. This is the one thing. Don't stop asking, seeking, and knocking. Don't do that. Don't stop doing that in prayer. Sometimes we feel like we go through these d- desert seasons in life. Like, where are you, Lord? Let me just tell you that the psalmist, the man after God's own heart, King David himself, felt like he was in that place. Don't stop. Keep going to the Lord by faith, knowing that he is there and he wishes to not only meet with you, but but get you through those trying times, those desert moments in your life. Most importantly, he wants you to to, to draw unto himself. The word tells us that if we draw close to him, near to him, he will draw near to us. That's his promise. That's what he tells us. And I pray that the joy of the Lord truly is your strength. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. The question, lastly, is what do you desire? What do you desire? Perhaps you've heard something this morning that draws you to the love of God. You you have not known the love of God. You haven't known His forgiveness. That grace of of God that... uh, He demonstrated through His Son, Jesus Christ, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the the love that God demonstrated to us. I pray that if you're here this morning and you, you don't know that grace, you don't know that love, through a surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ, asking Him for forgiveness, to be your Lord, to be your Savior, that today be the day of salvation for you. You simply need to cry out to Him and ask Him for forgiveness It is not by any kind of religious means that we're going to attain salvation. It is not. It is by grace, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ. That's it, period. It's not uh, step one, two, three. If we do this throughout our lives, then we're going to reach heaven. There's none righteous, no, not one. And that's one of the things that we should all be just ready to listen to and hear over and over i can never grow tired of hearing the gospel of jesus christ the good news that we are saved by grace through faith and we confess our sins to him and he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness i pray that you do not walk out this morning without knowing that grace that love and forgiveness of your sin, sins through jesus christ and i pray at the at the end here when we pray that you simply cry out to the lord and ask him for forgiveness and ask jesus christ to be your lord and savior But would you hear this morning? Would you desire? And I hope that you desire those things that God desires. That your heart and your life is in line with everything that He has for you. He wants you to know that peace. He wants you to know that hope in Christ Jesus. So let's pray. Father, we thank you once more for your word. Lord, I ask that you would help us to be humble before you, that we would, Lord, um, not have a critical spirit toward others, Father, but that we would consider our own sins before, uh, Lord, coming to judge other people's sins and help them through their situations. I ask, Lord, that you would also give us discernment, Lord, in the handling of, of the proclamation of Jesus Christ, Lord, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would lead us to people who are receptive to your word. And Lord, help us to never stop asking, to, to stop seeking, and to stop knocking, because you desire to hear from us. Lord, may we always come to you in prayer, knowing that, that you listen to us, And you desire above all else that we would simply have fellowship and communion with you in that time. We thank you, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.